This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about 10 things that you really do need to know when it comes to your IRAs. There are many different kinds of IRAs, and we get questions all of the time about what type of IRA is right for me, how much can I put into these, how can I get money out of these, can I consolidate these? I mean, there's all kinds of questions that people ask. So I wanted to do a show today about some of the things that are important to understand about your IRAs. And at the end of today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about how the CARES Act allows you to have some certain unique provisions this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. So let's go ahead and dive into some of the rules surrounding IRAs that are really kind of impactful when it comes to planning for them to have them work as effectively as possible for you. So the first thing I want to say is that for someone to have an IRA, most of the time, if you're going to contribute, you need to have what's called earned income. And earned income means wages. So if the only type of income that you have is passive income, like from rental houses or something like that, that doesn't count as earned income. You have to have it be what we call wage income. Now, there's one exception to that earned income rule, and that is when you have a non-working spouse. So a non-working spouse, meaning someone stays at home while somebody else is working, you can actually qualify to put money into an IRA even though you don't have earned income. So There are some limits to how much you can put in, so let's discuss those right up front. The IRA rules in 2020 is that you can contribute up to $6,000 into your IRA each year, or if you're 50 years old or older, you can do $7,000 into it. So if you are that non-working spouse, those limits apply to you too based on your age. Okay, so that kind of helps you understand like step one is the hurdle to be able to actually contribute to an IRA is there's got to be wage income coming into the household for at least one spouse. Okay, the second thing that I want to clarify about IRAs is that you can't own an IRA with someone else. An IRA is always owned individually by one person. So a lot of times we have uh, married couples come in and say, well, can't I put this IRA into both of our names? And the answer to that is no. An IRA is always individual. What you can do is you can list your spouse as the primary beneficiary. So if you die, then that IRA will move over to your spouse and can become theirs if that's what they choose to do. But you can't own them jointly. You have to own them individually. All right, number three in our top 10 list when it comes to IRA planning is how the taxes work. And let me tell you, this is really the big one. is the thing that is most important I think when it comes to IRAs to understand is how the taxes on things work. And the reason that this can get confusing for people is because there are many types of IRAs. So I'm going to dig in a little bit to the, the main two types that people use. We call them a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Now, 
they're both taxed completely opposite of each other. So the traditional IRA, you don't pay taxes on the money that you put in. So when you put a contribution in, that is actually tax deductible. You get to deduct that on your taxes. But when you take the money out of your traditional IRA, that money is going to be taxed at whatever the regular ordinary income rates are at the time that you take it out. So no taxes when it goes in, taxes when it comes out. The Roth IRA is backwards of that. The Roth IRA has no tax deductibility when you put the money in, but when it comes out, if you have followed all the right rules, then you can take that money out without any taxes when you withdraw it. So, like I said, there are some rules. <laughs> so we're going to go over the rules. But I want to give you a good analogy to help you understand kind of why people choose one or the other. Think of it uh, like farming. And do you want to pay tax on the seed or do you want to pay tax on the harvest? So the seed would be the money going in. The harvest would be the money coming out. Presumably over time with you know good performance, we are hopeful to see that your IRA is going to grow and possibly even grow significantly. So that's why I say, do you want to pay tax on the seed or on the harvest? Now, some people think from the tax side of things that the tax bracket they're in right now is very high. Let's say you're a high earner. And so maybe you do want to get the tax deduction now. And you're thinking that later on in retirement, your tax bracket may be lower. In that case, you're okay paying the taxes when you take the money out. Some people believe exactly the opposite. Some people think that tax brackets by, by and large now are as low as they're going to be for a while. So they don't care about the deduction now, but they want that deduction later because they're fearful of taxes going up in the future. So however you feel about taxes and whatever your personal financial and income situation is, is going to drive your decision about what type of IRA that you use. But it is important to understand the tax ramifications of both of them. Now, when the money comes out, that's a whole different story of making it uh, tax-free or taxable. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But one of the things that I think is important to do with your planning is to each year be making a decision about whether or not you want the tax deduction now or in the future. So just because you start with one type of IRA, let's say you start with a traditional and take the tax deduction now, doesn't mean that you're locked into always having to do that because you don't have to always make contributions to them. It's voluntary in the years that you are eligible and that you feel like you want to. So Keep that in mind that you can change the type of IRA contribution that you're making based on your situation each particular year. Okay, now the next thing that I want to talk about is how these things are going to come out for you. So we talked about the taxation of money going in. Now let's talk about how things that come out of here. So on the traditional IRA, first of all, you're supposed to wait on any IRA until you're 59 and a half to be able to take money out. That is the magic number in the IRA world is 59 and a half. So if you're 59 and a half, you can take money out of these. And if you wait until then, you're going to avoid something called the IRS 10% penalty. 
If you take money out before you're 59 and a half, then you're gonna have most likely a 10% penalty for taking it out too soon. Okay, the, the there is a requirement on traditional IRAs though that you have to start taking money out by the time that you're 72. Now, some of you may raise an eyebrow at that and say, 72? I thought it was 70 and a half. And the thing about it is, it used to be. So there was a new rule passed at the end of 2019 called the SECURE Act. And the SECURE Act actually changed the age where you have to start taking these required minimum distributions. So you get a little bit more of a break, and now you don't have to take them until you're age 72. But one thing that people get confused about is this. You only have to take those required minimum distributions from the traditional IRAs. You never are forced to take a required minimum distribution from your own Roth IRA. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're planning is how long that money can stay invested for you. Now, the requirements then for taking money out of the Roth IRA is that you need to be 59 and a half and you have to have held the Roth IRA for at least five years before your contributions and your earnings can come out without any income taxes. So the two triggers there are having reached age 59 and a half and having had the Roth IRA for at least five years. Now, if you meet those two things, you can get out both your contributions and the gains coming out tax-free, which I got to tell you, <laughs> tax-free money is my favorite kind of money. <laughs> so you definitely want to like err on the side of tax-free money where you can. But the problem with this is not everybody realizes you have those two hurdles to clear before you can get things out tax-free. So if you take the money out before 59 and a half, you can take your contributions out tax-free, but not the gain. The gain would have a 10% tax penalty. And you also, if you haven't had it for five years, it's not coming out tax-free. Now there's a, um, there's some other small tweaks and things like that that you can do to avoid that tax penalty, but they're very um, unique and you have to qualify them. So just really keep in mind that the main two triggers are age 59 and a half and having had the Roth IRA for five years. Now, here's something that trips people up a lot of the time. Some people have a Roth 401k and they think when they retire, they can just roll that Roth 401k right over to the a Roth IRA and then start taking money from it because they're old enough. But they forget about the five-year trigger. So the five-year clock does not start ticking until you have a Roth IRA somewhere in your name. And having a Roth 401k does not count towards that five-year clock really important distinction. So if you have a Roth 401k and you roll it to a Roth IRA and that's the first day that you've ever had a Roth IRA in your life, your five-year clock starts ticking then. And now you have to wait five years before you can take it out of that Roth IRA tax-free. So be really careful when you're thinking about Roth 401k rollovers. Now, if you had a Roth IRA, even if it only had $100 in it from 10 years ago, 
and you rolled over your Roth 401k then, that's fine. You've already met the five-year clock because you had a Roth IRA outside of that Roth 401k. But just be careful that you don't get tripped up on that whole clock issue. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about the top 10 things that you really should know about IRAs. So we've talked a little bit about the limits. We've talked about who can put money into them. We've talked about the tax consequences of money going in and the money coming out. And now we're going to talk about a few other rules that I think are important for people to understand. So one of them is this. You can contribute to both an IRA and a retirement account at work within some limits. So if you're eligible for being able to do a Roth IRA, you can fully contribute and max out your 401k at work and fully contribute and max out a Roth IRA outside of work. Now, you may be able to do a regular traditional IRA too, but most of the time, if you're maxing out a plan at work, then you're not going to be also able to take out the tax deduction on the IRA personally outside of work. So there are some limitations and they kind of work together to do that. The other thing that kind of goes along with this is that you can contribute to more than one type of IRA. So it might be that you want to split your contribution where you have half of it going to a traditional IRA and half going to a Roth IRA. That's totally fine. Or you may have something going on where you're going to put money into like a uh, retirement account at work and part into traditional and part into Roth and that's also okay too. So keep in mind that you can split up how you're contributing to things but the main thing is they all have limits and they coordinate with each other in terms of what kind of tax deductibility that you have. The sixth thing that I want to talk about when it comes to IRA planning is this. Your IRA investment losses are not going to be tax deductible. So a lot of times I'll have people say, well, I put money into an IRA and then I lost it because my stock went bankrupt. So I want to be able to take that on my taxes as a loss. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. So in IRAs, if you have a loss, you do not get to take that off on your taxes. It's just one of the provisions. You know, on the traditional side, it's very understandable. You haven't ever paid taxes on that, so you can't take a tax loss on it. (laughs) But there's a lot of people who wish that rule was different. Unfortunately, that is the tax code as it's written today. Okay, number seven is you really do have additional time to make your IRA contribution. So they don't have to be in by the end of the calendar year. You normally have until April 15th, following the end of the tax year to make your contributions, or possibly even until your tax filing deadline, but most of the time you wanna stick with that April 15th timeline. That's the big trigger to get those in by. So keep that in mind when you are making your contributions is you've got a little bit of extra time before you have to get those in there. Okay, number eight, rule number eight. 
You can't contribute to a Roth IRA if your income is too high. So here's the thing. There are income limits for people who are contributing to the Roth IRAs. So for single taxpayers in 2020, you are going to get phased out on how much you can put into the Roth IRA if your adjusted gross income is between $124,000 and $139,000. And if you're married and filing jointly, your modified adjusted gross income if it's between $196,000 and $206,000. You just can't contribute at all if it's over that $206,000 number. So there are those limits and you have to be able to look at them. And that's part of the reason why we get that extra grace period that I just talked about is so that you have the time to be able to say how much was my income for the year and am I eligible to make that contribution? Okay, number nine is this. You don't have to contribute to your IRAs each year and they will still potentially grow based on what they're invested in. So sometimes people make IRA contributions and then skip them for a few years. Sometimes people have made those contributions early in their career when they didn't have a 401k. And now that they have a 401k, they've stopped making IRA contributions. That's all fine. There's no rule that says you have to make any kind of IRA contribution and the money in the investment account can still have potential growth on it depending on what it's invested in. So that's good to know because it really does give you added flexibility. Okay, number 10, the final rule that I want to talk about on IRAs today is this. There are new coronavirus IRA rules that are specific to 2020 only at this point. So by December 30th of this year, you can actually take out of your IRA a total limit of $100,000. Now, this is an aggregate limit, meaning that you can't do $100,000 from IRA number one and $100,000 from number two and $100,000 from your 401k. It's a total of $100,000. But if you have what's considered a coronavirus-related financial hardship, you can take this $100,000 out and you can avoid the 10% IRS withdrawal penalty. Now, Taxes are still going to be due on it, but you've got some flexibility on the taxes. You could pay the taxes all in 2020, or you can actually spread it out over three years. You can spread it out over 2020, 2021, and 2022. So that's kind of interesting because you have access to money without the penalty and you can spread the tax consequences out. But in order to qualify for this, you have to meet some rules and you want to be real careful with these because you don't want to take advantage of these and then get caught and have to pay it back or have tax penalties. So if you are someone who is diagnosed with COVID-19 or you're someone whose spouse or dependent is diagnosed with it or you're an individual who has experienced adverse financial consequences as a result of being quarantined, furloughed, laid off, or having work hours reduced due to the virus, or if you're unable to work due to lack of childcare related to the virus or the disease, or for business owners being unable to work due to a closing or a reduction of hours or of your business because of lockdowns, 
or they say other factors determined by Secretary of Treasury. So those are the rules. If you're one of those, if you meet those guidelines, then you may be eligible to take out this $100,000 distribution from an IRA or your 401k if your 401k is participating and avoid the 10% IRS penalty and you can either pay it back or if you don't pay it back, then you can pay the taxes on it over the course of the three years. So that's a really interesting and unique IRA rule that is super specific to this year. There hasn't been any chatter that I've heard yet about having this extend past the end of the year. And let's all collectively hope that we don't have to worry about this so much past the end of the year. I think that would be wonderful news for all of us. Anyway, that kind of helps you understand a little bit of additional access you have and some tax relief related to the CARES Act that is because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, I hope these rules have been helpful for you to understand how to work with your IRAs in the best way possible. Now, at the end of the day, one of the bigger decisions you have to make with your IRAs is how you want those invested. And of course, that's where we hope that you give us a call, talk to one of our financial planners to make sure that your IRA is actually invested in the most effective way and is aligned with the level of risk that you feel that you're comfortable with as you have that IRA during your lifetime. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice you should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.